Thank you for listening to First Baptist Church of Conway. It's our prayer that this message is both an encouragement and a challenge to you as you grow in faith. As we all move forward in light of COVID-19, we want to encourage you to make a priority of joining us in person for worship. Because as you know, listening to a podcast can never replace the need we all have for fellowship and corporate worship. So we look forward to seeing you soon. In the meantime, here is this week's message. Well, good morning. I'm glad to be here with you as we continue our not new sermon series. I guess we're almost done with it, but current sermon series titled Better Decisions, Fewer Regrets. Remember, this series is based off a book written by Andy Stanley, who is the son of Charles Stanley. Some of you are more familiar with him. And this entire series revolves around some pretty basic questions we can ask in order to make better decisions and just have fewer regrets. Remember, the, the Bible or memory verse for this entire series is Proverbs 27, 12. It says the prudent, which is wise, the prudent see danger and take refuge, meaning they know it's coming, they can see it ahead, but the simple keep going and pay the penalty. And all of us have paid the penalty for our bad choices, things we wish we could go back and change. So this whole series is about becoming wise, becoming prudent, so we can see the dangers coming before they come and adjust course. But considering all of us can talk ourselves into absolutely anything, we ask the integrity question. Next slide. Yep, integrity question, which says, am I being honest with myself, really? And we have to make the decision that I will not lie to myself, even when the truth makes me feel bad about myself. Considering we can all get emotional before making decisions and we can get rather focused on what we want in the moments, we have to ask the legacy question, which is what story do I want to tell? Do I really want this decision to be part of my story that I tell, my family tells, my kids tells, or somebody else's kids tell about me? And in order to do this, we got to have the legacy decision. I will decide to tell a story I'm proud to tell. I will not decide anything that makes me a liar for life. And considering all all of us have a built-in warning system, we ask the conscience question, which is, is there a tension that needs my attention? And the decision we have to make here is I will pause when I cannot pinpoint the cause of my hesitation. I will explore rather than ignore my conscience. That's the past couple weeks we've been talking about these. If you missed any of them, you can go back online and catch up. The next question that we're going is by far my favorite out of the entire series, and it's one that I learned a long time ago from him, and I've been using for several years. You see, growing up, I used to make choices based on whether it was right or wrong. Well, really, if I was going to get in trouble or if I wouldn't get in trouble, if I'm going to get caught or am I not going to get caught. And it led me down this path of if it's not wrong, then it must be right. I guess we learn this from school because in school there's always a right or wrong answer, a right or wrong to behave. I just blame the school system for this problem. And we apply that to the rest of the world. It gets fuzzy really fast because just because something isn't wrong doesn't make it right. And what happens when something isn't wrong or right? Do we make it fit into one of these categories? How about this? For instance, take buying a car. Is buying a car right or is it wrong? You say, well, that just, it doesn't work. Right, right. which led me down the path, if it's not wrong, then it must be right. So I did the math. Jessica and I have been married for 13 years. And remember, I do this so you can relate to me. You have your junk too, okay? 
I know that about you. Me and Jessica have been married for 13 years, and in those 13 years, we've had nine different cars. You don't need to laugh. Just wait. From Camrys, Chargers, and Cobra Mustangs, which was my favorite, so I had to throw that in there. Uh, One motorcycle, seven different SUVs, one van. We didn't go back to that. Jessica wouldn't allow us to go back to a van. Six different full-size trucks and one mid-size trucks. That is 25 different vehicles in 13 years. That's almost two cars a year. If you sell cars, you're going to become my best friend, aren't you? I wish I was making that up, but it probably makes you feel better about some of the decisions you've made in life. But if we frame everything around wrong or right, we could come to the conclusion that if it's not wrong, then it must be right or it must be all right. And then we can talk ourselves into these things. And I bet if we're honest, let's be honest, we all have things like this, don't we? Maybe not to the extreme I went through with cars, But I bet we've all talked ourselves into something that we wanted, saying, well, it's not wrong. I mean, it's not illegal, so it must be okay. Or how about wanting to know if something's wrong or when something's wrong so we can get as close to the line without going over it? Y'all ever done that? When do I get arrested? I'll go right before then. When will I get caught? When will mom get mad? Right? So instead of thinking, perhaps I shouldn't get in the back seat at all, perhaps I shouldn't go into the room at all, perhaps I shouldn't go out with him or her, perhaps I shouldn't drink that, perhaps I shouldn't eat that, perhaps I shouldn't even go there, we think, well, if I go there, how long can I stay or what can I do before it's bad? Perhaps there's just a better way of thinking about this stuff. Stanley gives us four assumptions we can commonly make. He says, if it's not wrong, it's all right. If it's not illegal, it's permissible. If it's not immoral, it's acceptable. And if it's not over the line, it's fine. We've all done it. But the problem is then when things don't go well, when that decision turns out to be a bad one, we look back and we knew the whole time we probably shouldn't have done it in the first place. And then we have a life full of regret saying, well, it wasn't wrong. It wasn't over the line, but it wasn't right either. So this this question is why it's my favorite. This question helps us frame it in a completely different manner. And the Bible teaches us to do this. In fact, the Bible calls you and I to a higher standard of living than just right or wrong. It calls us to maturity. Here's our question. What is the wise thing to do. Not is it right, not is it wrong, but what's the wise thing to do? And that can be a game changer for each and every one of us. You see, you and I are called to live wisely. That's very different than framing things in right or wrong. In fact, the Bible uses the word wisdom 216 times and the word wise 188 What is very clear throughout Scripture is that you and I are called to a higher standard of living. We aren't called to just right or wrong, sin or no sin. We're called to be wise. And let me explain this to you. We're going to look at what Paul says in Ephesians. It's towards the end of the book of Ephesians. If you didn't know, Ephesians is by far one of my favorite books. And we're going to look at a couple of verses snuggled in the middle. And here's how Ephesians is breakdown, okay? We went through it a couple years ago. We'll go through it again soon, I hope. But 
Paul breaks it down with the first three chapters are pretty theological. It dives down deep into what Christ has done for us. The second part is the practical application about, well, in light of what Christ has done, here's what you need to do. And the major theme of the book of Ephesians is that Christ has reconciled us or reunited us to himself in all of creation to God. And in light of that, Christians, well, we should behave differently. It tells us that Jesus has fixed our greatest problem. We've been separated from God because of sin, but he's fixed that relationship by his works on the cross. And because of that, you and I, we can be saved by grace. We were once considered dead, but we've been made alive in Christ. And he tells us that we're not saved by all the works we do, by our resume, by our job titles, by our money. We're saved by Christ's work. It's all about grace. And in light of that, it should change everything we do and everything we are. Meaning our motivation for the Christian life comes out of love for Christ. Comes out of the amazing understanding of his grace and saying, because of him, because of him, I will And we serve him that way. We serve him out of grace. That means all that shame and all that guilt, all that stuff we carry on, we can give to him. We know he forgives us from it. So in light of Jesus fixing all of that, we should walk worthy of our calling, Paul says. And he lays it out practically for each and every one of us. Tells them to put off all their old and to put on the new. Put on the new self focused on God. He reminds them and us that there should be evidence of our changed life if we're Christians. If we've really accepted his grace and we should walk in the light and be humble and gentle and love. He says stop being greedy, stop practicing sexual morality. All the things you would expect the Bible to say. And he sums it up with this. Ephesians 5, 17. He says, be very careful then how you live. Not as unwise, but as, say the word with me. Wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Let's unpack verse 15 for a minute. You see, the term very careful would have stuck out to the original audience. It should have blinkers, warning lights for you, like a red light or flashing lights getting your attention. It should create urgency around um, how you live, saying watch carefully, pay attention to what you're doing. So you and I, we as Christians, we need to actually pay attention to what we're doing. We need to think through our decisions. We shouldn't just go with the flow, not worry about the consequences, just see what happens in the moments. We should think about the fact of who Christ is in light of who we are, what we do. See, it's not just about being right or wrong. It's not just about standing on the banner of truth and being completely horrible human beings to everyone else you know. There's something different here. You see, wisdom isn't a new concept for Christianity and the Jewish faith, but let's get on the same page about it. Wisdom is simply the ability to make good choices in life. Wisdom is very different than knowledge. Bill Mounts helps us out, New Testament scholar. He says this. He says, wisdom denotes the capacity not only to understand something, right? Understanding something is called what? Right, knowledge, right? We understand it, but also to act accordingly. Wisdom is the ability to understand it, but also do it. How many of us knew the right thing to do, but we chose not to do it? 
just four of us. Oh, we had more hands that time. The rest of y'all line, okay? He says it's the ladder that separates wisdom for knowledge. And so we're called to think through it and actually act accordingly. How to make the right choices to get the desired results that God wants for our lives. Meaning we are called to think through it. Now, some things in life happen because other people have done things. We've all experienced that. It wasn't our fault. Somebody else did it. Other things happen because this is God's choice. This is how he made us. This is how he created us. We can't do anything about that either. But for the most part, the rest of it, our, the rest of it in life comes from what choices we make. And, far, and for the most of us, we are where we are at in life because of the choices we've made. And that isn't easy to deal with. For some of us, that's extremely hard. But remember the grace of God. We've talked about that. But wisdom is thinking through that to have the right choices. Now, more about wisdom. The book of Proverbs is filled with it. If you haven't read through Proverbs or listened to it, I like the audio Bible. It helps me when I'm driving. Listen, go through the book of Problems. It's uh, Proverbs, Problems, Proverbs. It'll give you a lot of problems. But Proverbs, read all through it. It's all about making responsible choices. Now, here's the important thing about wisdom, and when you read wisdom literature, they're not promises. They're generalities. They're gen, gen, generally happen. For instance, take this verse. I've had to explain this to parents several times. Proverbs 22.6 says, Train up the child in the way he should go, he or she, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Generally, this happens. But does it always happen? No. And just because it doesn't happen doesn't mean you did something wrong as a parent. But generally, the wise thing to do is to train your child up in the way they should go. And hopefully, they won't depart from it when they get older. It's not a guarantee. It's not a problem. But it's, it's, it's not a promise, but it's wise to do it. And the Bible teaches some pretty basic things about wisdom. First, we see wisdom is a gift from God. James 1.5 says, if any of you lack wisdom... You should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. So if you're not wise, if you're immature, if you need to have more wisdom, pray about it. He will give it to you. Wisdom is a part of spiritual growth. Look what Colossians says. Paul says in Colossians. He says, Colossians 1.28, He is the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom, so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. So wisdom is part of our spiritual growth, and wisdom is a way of living. James 3.13 says this. It says, Who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life, by deeds done, and the humility that comes from wisdom. So wisdom is a positive thing. It's an important thing. And here's the amazing thing. As Christians, you are commanded to live wise. It's not a suggestion. It's not a, well, it might be nice to have. It's a command to be wise. And the great thing is, no matter how many poor choices you've made in life, no matter how many crazy things you have done, that's not what Paul's referring to. He's saying today, now, start today living wise. And this can help you by reframing the way you make choices and the way you think about things. What Paul says in Ephesians 5, 15, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise. So there's the thing about wisdom. So we ask, what is, 
what is the wise thing to do? What is the wise thing to do? Let's break this down even further. Uh, Ephesians 5, 15 through 17 says this. We'll look at it again. He says, Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise but as wise, making the most of every opportunity, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. So this is why we should do this. First, he says, make the most of your time. It literally reads redeeming the time. How much time have you wasted from bad choices? If you could get back all of that money you spent on all those cars you didn't actually need, Brian, how much better off would you? I'd have all my cars paid for, that's for sure. He says, so redeem the time, which is our most valuable asset. Instead of wasting time, instead of acting like it doesn't matter, redeem it, use it for the glory of God. He said, so if you're going to use your time wisely, you need to think about how you're using it, what you're doing with it, and where you want to go. Don't waste it. He says, number two, because the days are evil. How many of you knew the days were evil? Yeah, yeah, just turn on the news. The world's gone crazy, but it didn't just start going crazy. And I know some of you don't understand. The world didn't just start. The world's always been. Read history. The world has always been. We have a sin problem. The world has always had a sin problem. And the time that you think nothing's going on, you just need to focus on a different country because something is going on. There's always wars. There's always famines. There's always diseases. There's always really bad stuff happening. Just be thankful. If you have a season of life that it's not affecting you, praise God. Because it's always going on. The world has a ton of evil stuff all throughout it. So since the days are evil, since we understand that sin is real, since we know that evil is real, since we know that Jesus came to do something about it, we live wisely to use our time, to use who we are for the glory of God. And he says, well, don't be a, well, he says not, don't be foolish. He's saying, don't be a fool. Come on, don't live foolishly. How often can we look back and look at all those years wasted? What do they say? Youth is wasted on the young? All right, y'all ever heard that? Now that I'm getting old in my age, I got a birthday this week, I'm getting old. I understand that. Y'all were supposed to laugh a little bit at that. I guess you're agreeing with me. I'm getting old. I don't appreciate that, actually. It used to be a joke. Now I must actually be getting old. I'm not. I'm thrown off. I don't know what to do now. But listen, don't be a fool. Understand what the Lord's will is, meaning you need to seek it. Don't just go through life doing what you got to do, focused on baseball, focused on sports, focused on school, focused on your job, focused on all these other things that will come and amount to nothing when you die. Focus on the Lord. And allow him to direct your career path. Allow him to direct your sports. Allow him to do those things. And watch, then all of that sums up to be glory to him and praise to him. And he uses that for him. It's a much different way of looking at things. He says, so don't be foolish. Stanley says it this way. He says, so Paul, leveraging the grammar of his day, reaches off the page, grabs us by the collar, pulls us up close, and shouts, quit playing games. Quit pretending. Quit rationalizing. Face up to what you know you ought to do. Ask the question and embrace the answer. This is Paul's final attempt to get us to admit we know what we know and act on it. Which means you and I, we have to ask the maturity question. What's the wise thing to do? And we have to decide, make a decision. I will do the wise thing. Is that easy? 
Oh, I promise you it's not. Because wisdom will tell you to not send the email. Don't make the phone call. You shouldn't have said that. And no, you shouldn't go and say that. Let it go, right? And so we have to decide that we're going to do the wise thing. And there's three parts to this question. And this is when it gets very personal. It means it's not fun if you don't know that. I mean, it's, it gets very personal. But there's three parts to this question we want to ask in light of the fact he said, watch carefully. So how do we watch carefully? This is easy. He says this. What's the wise thing to do? So we say, in light of my past experience, in light of my past experience, what's the wise thing to do? And we know that wisdom comes from experience. So in light of how that has happened before, not in light of someone else's past, but in light of your past, what is the wise thing to do? So in light of the last time I called him or her, in light of the last time I got on the app, in light of the last time I posted that, I wore that, I swiped right, I went there, I bought that, I drank that, I ate that. In light of all of that, I've been there before. What's the wise thing to do? Hopefully this will prevent us from making the same mistake over and over. Wouldn't that be helpful? Let's see if I have a new car next year. We'll find out. Next is this, in light of my current circumstances, what's the wise thing to do? In light of what I'm currently going through, I'm currently dealing with, in light of the emotions I'm dealing with. You ever made a bad decision because you were emotional? Just me? Yeah, we've all made a bad decision. In light of what's currently going on, maybe I need to relax, maybe I need to let it go, maybe I'm a little angry, maybe I'm a little upset. Or in light of my current financial situation, in light of the current relationship I want to save, in light of my kids that are still at home, in light of everything going on right now, what's the wise thing to do? And then the one that should really help us, which is in light of my future hopes and dreams, what's the wise thing to do? Because wisdom takes us here. We realize the decisions we make now, now will affect the future, and so we ask, in light of where I want to go, for instance, if you want a healthy marriage in the future, what's the wise thing to do? If you want your kids to actually like you when they get older, what's the wise thing to do? If you want that dream career, if you want that healthy relationship, if you want to be proud of your story as a human being, what's the wise thing to do? So the question goes like this. In light of my past experience, my current circumstances and future hopes and dreams, what's the wise thing to do? Listen, if you're trying to figure out what God wants you to do and he's not speaking to you and you have some options in front of you, this is an amazing filter. This has helped me more time. It's, it's, it's amazing. I memorize it. I use it all the time. This is a great filter. Some of those times you have those, those God moments where you just know and he's telling you and you're sure. And other times you're like, I'm not too sure what I'm supposed to do. They're both good choices. I don't know. Use the filter. Run it through that. See where it takes you. You see, this week I actually had to catch myself with this question. See, I told you before, I have authority issues. I told you all that before, right? Okay, all right. I have authority issues specifically when it comes to school stuff. Oh, I came out earlier, didn't it? It did. Okay. So Jessica and the kids started back to school this week. Jessica's a first grade teacher at Conway Christian. And my kids started, all three of them went back, and they had orientation this week. 
That means Jessica had orientation to present herself to the class and all that stuff. And of course, my kids had orientation to be with theirs. And since Jessica can't be in three places at once, four places, three places at once, she said, Brian, I'm going to need you to be a part of this. I said, okay, well, tell me. She said, well, orientation's at 3.15. I said, what? She goes, well, I got to be there at 3.15, which is, that means Jessica has to be there at 3 o'clock. Did anybody else married to someone who has to be there super early? Don't it drive you crazy? Okay, so if she has to be there at 3.15, that means 3 o'clock for Jessica, okay? So she has to be there at 3 o'clock. I said, well, who schedules orientation at 3 o'clock? I said, I'm working. Don't they know who I am? All right, this is when you know it gets bad. Don't act like you haven't done this before. I said, who schedules orientation at 3 o'clock? I mean, what are they supposed to do with the kids? How can I, what am I supposed to take off? In fact, then I found out I got to go to orientation. I got to sit in the gym and hear someone talk for 30 minutes before we go to the class. I said, I got better things to do to sit in there and learn about Conway Christian School. My wife works there. I got other things to do, more important things to do. And unfortunately, I share my feelings out loud. (laughs) So Jessica heard every bit of that, every bit of it. I came into work that day huffing and puffing about something she can't control and I got to work feeling justified. Y'all ever felt justified? Like you were right. I'm like, boy, I'm right. I know that if I was in charge, I wouldn't do things like that. And in process of feeling satisfied and right and aggravated with school systems, well, this question came to mind. And I realized that my wife is trying to start the school year off well And all I'm doing is creating more stress and more problems for my kids and for my wife. All she was trying to do is be a great employee. All she's trying to do is make sure my kids are having a great time at school. And here I am blowing everything up. I mean, not that bad, but pretty bad. I get pretty vocal. And in my mind, in about 30 seconds, I went through this question. Said a lot of my past experience. Well, I get pretty aggravated when it comes to school stuff. I've had to apologize more than once. Started with Troy being in kindergarten. We decided we were going on vacation in the middle of the year. So I'm going to Florida. Said, all right, let's just ask the teacher so we can have the week's worth of work so we can, you know, go. And they said, well, you're not allowed to go. I said, excuse me? <laughs> you don't need to know anything else I said. But I went back personally up to the school the next day and apologized, okay? And um, we realized, so in light of my past, I have an issue with overreacting when it comes to school stuff. Come on, you have your issues, all right? I'm just trying to help you out today. This is how this works. And I said, in light of the current circumstances, well, currently I have created more stress on my wife for something she cannot control and did not do. That's not helpful. Let's be honest. We're naturally selfish, aren't we? We can easily focus on us. I said, well, this isn't smart. I said, in light of my future hopes and dreams, what do I expect out of this? Well, do I really want to go home and fight about this? Do I really want to have my kids view school the way I view school? Do I really want my kids to have authority issues like I have? I'm creating all of that. I realized I was wrong. I said, huh, I got to fix this. 
Well, I decided I was just going to show up on time, right? I was going to be the superhero dad. Look at me. Come on, you have your problems. That's what I was going to do. And I didn't tell her. Then at 2.15, I get this text. She doesn't know I'm sharing this story, by the way. 2.15, I get this. 2.45, I get this text from her. She says, I have kids with me so you can finish your day. Sorry the school does this. I know you hate it. Come up at four. Love you. You want to break somebody? (laughs) Don't fight with them. Rise above their pettiness and love them. We're going to talk about that next week. You want to break someone? Do this. She said, oh, I understand how you feel. I'll take care of it. She's doing orientation. I have three kids. She has stress of starting school. And I'm sitting at the office. But she knows that I have issues with this. I always have. This is what she got back from me. And again, I didn't know I was sharing this story with you all. It just happened. Here's a text she got back from me. This is how you apologize, man. Said, no way, drop them off. I was too much. I'm sorry. I know this isn't your fault, and I need to help you when you have a lot going on and not make it more difficult. Just drop them off, and we will come up there at 3.30. No worries at all. See, I already worked through it all. I told her I was wrong. You can change that slide now. (laughs) Thank you. Uh, I told her I was wrong. I apologized. And you know what? We had a great night. But how many times, and this question is what stopped it, how many times have we fought about the silliest, pointless things and we just keep going and going and going for nothing? It's not wise. It's silly. So that night I came home. She finally came home. She had to stay a little bit later. She, I came home and I just had my chest up like I just won an Olympic gold. I said, I did it. I said, I went. I was so proud of myself. And do you know what's so embarrassing? She was proud of me too. She said, you did a good job. I said, I know. Sometimes ladies just tell us we did a good job. May not seem like a lot to you. It was everything to me that I made it. And two days later, I started fussing about something different. I'm a work in progress, but let's move on. It says, in light of my past experience, current circumstances, and future hopes and dreams, what is the wise thing to do? And if we couple this with the question we're going to learn next week about love, I promise you it will be a game changer for your family and for your entire life. If you're a Christian, this is a mandate If you're not a Christian, this is a great piece of advice. Take it, run with it. It will help you throughout your entire life. But if you are a Christian, you have been called to a higher standard of living. You have been called to live wisely. So we're going to end with this. One more practice problem. Help me with it. Let's say I've come up with, I'm giving you practice. You can go home and apply this instantly. Let's say I came up with the great decision that I wanted to buy a Lamborghini. Okay, don't put it past me, by the way. They're a little over 200 some thousand dollars In light of my past experience, what's the wise thing to do? Well, I have a tendency to buy cars I don't need and sell them when I feel really guilty about how much I spent for it and go through this big cycle. So, okay, my past doesn't help. In light of my current circumstances, well, I can't afford a Lamborghini. Okay, there's that. In light of my future hopes and dreams, I don't want to be bankrupt, right? I don't want to be bankrupt. So in light of my, few, my, my past experience, my few, present circumstance, future hopes and dreams, is it wise to buy a Lamborghini? 
Did someone say yes? I was looking for that. <laughs> I think it was Andrew. I'm pretty confident it was Andrew. It was, okay. So no, it's not wise to buy a Lamborghini. And you say, pay attention. You say, well, Brian, that's silly. We knew from the beginning you shouldn't buy a Lamborghini. I know, but how many times have you bought something you know you couldn't afford? How many times did you go there and you know you shouldn't have gone there? How many times did you go to that place or call that person, get on the internet? How many times did you do it and you know you shouldn't have done it? The problem isn't knowing. The problem is living wise. So while the Lamborghini's fun, it can become personal very, very quick. See, Stanley says, nobody plans to mess up their life. They just plan. They just fail to plan not to. So the maturity question, what's the wise thing to do? The decision, I will do the wise thing. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for making wisdom possible for us. We thank you for showering your wisdom on us through Jesus Christ. Father, we thank you that all we have to do is ask you for wisdom. And I pray that daily, those of us who need it, those of us who need to grow in it, which means all of us, we ask you for wisdom daily. Father, we confess that we don't always make the right choices. In fact, quite often we don't even try. But please forgive us for that. Help us pause and ask the question. Help us through, think through our decisions so we can move forward to the results you desire in our lives. Father, we thank you so much for Jesus. We thank you so much that in your wisdom, you have provided salvation for all of us through him. Help us see him, help us learn, and help us understand that following Jesus really is the wise thing to do. Father, we love you. In the precious name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.